it's great to see you guys today. I got a got great things to share with you today. Take a look at Genesis chapter six if you want to turn there. And um, and oh my goodness, when you take a look in in that last piece, there is so true. When you take a look at is, compared to what we talked about last week, and I know there were quite a few of you probably couldn't make last week. But, and you'll be fine. This is, it's not dependent. But when you begin to put it all together through this little series we've done through this, we're about to be done with that here in a couple of weeks. But just through the book of Genesis, especially the first part of the book of Genesis, and you begin to see how, how, how is that possible that all of this can be pointed towards one thing? And you're going to see it again today. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I've called today a ship called Grace, okay? A ship called Grace. Because when you take a look at this story, um, this particular thought of Noah uh, and what the ship represents and everything that is around it, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Uh, let me already go ahead and tell you when we, we're going to talk about obviously Noah, the flood, the the boat, the the ark, and uh, but let me tell you what we're not going to talk about today. There's we've only got so much time to be able to share something like this, and so uh, we're not going to be talking a, a whole lot about you know about you know about the times of, of Noah as so much not so much as far as you know, are the geological thoughts around it, you know, and the evidences of the flood that are all around us and, and all of the things that happen and, and all of those things. I just don't, I'm just not going to have time to go that direction. Uh, I just want you today to see how it fits into God's, into God's, into, into God's message. It's pretty amazing when you begin to put it all together. And so, uh, so it's a ship called Grace. So, so here, I'm going to go ahead and kind of give you the, uh, all right, give you the cheat sheet here at the beginning so that you can track along as I go, okay? But think about the parallels, and we'll talk about this again at the very end. But Jesus made this statement in Matthew. He said, he said as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be like that, if you will, in the days when the Son of Man comes. So Jesus tells us, and we'll, again, we'll talk more about that verse at the very end, but Jesus tells us right at the beginning that there's a parallel here. In other words, he waves a flag and says, you need, to, you need to pick up on this. That there's a parallel with Noah's story and its pictures in who I am and what I came to do. I've told you foundationally everything about who Christ is, who Christ is, what he came to do. Those are the two foundations of what we would call the gospel, the good news. Okay, good news about who Christ is and really good news about what he came to do. And because of who he was, he was able to do what he came to do. Well, Jesus himself says that this story is a parallel. And you're going to see it. It's not hard to pick up on. And, uh, and, and in fact, you know, you're going, to, you're, you're going to talk about sin. You're going to talk about, you know, the judgment of that sin that's coming. And, uh, and God gives grace, Right. And then the ark is a picture of who Christ is, right? And, 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 and you look at these things, you know, and that, you know, Noah was in the boat. Therefore, as long as he was in the boat, God said he was secure. So you have this thing like, like so many other in the Old Testament of this incredible parallel. And I, I want to go ahead and tell you, so the ark is a picture of, of Jesus and what the, and the cross, right? It's, it's what delivered him through the judgment. 
which is what happened at Christ at the cross, and we've talked about that. And so it's pretty amazing when you look at it. Um, and, and God said that, again, that Jesus himself said, there's, there's, there's another judgment coming, but this one's going to be different. This one was flood, this one's going to be fire. And if you've read the book of Revelation, it's explained sometimes in graphic detail, sometimes in, uh, in, you know, in metaphorical type, type conversation, but still it's nonetheless. And you know, I think the thing that scares people so much because as much as like when my dad was young, is that it was not even thought possible, really, that, that this whole world could, you know, and, and all these wars could really happen with all these people and with all this imagery and with, and with such destruction. But with what we know today, none of us has a hard time understanding the book of Revelation because we know what kind of weapons are out there and we know what they can do. And so it only takes a couple of crazed people to set the whole world on fire. I'm not here to scare you today. I'm just here to share with you. We all can see it now. You know, a few a generation ago, nobody could see, oh, that couldn't happen, you know. Dr. Fluffyhead down the street was saying, oh, that would never happen. Now Dr. Fluffyhead's not saying that because it can not only happen. In fact, most, most people think it's going to happen. But the great part about it is, is that, is that you and I don't have to be scared of those things. Right? And we'll talk about that through today. Right? Okay? We'll talk about that through today. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. So I want to just kind of, I'm going to kind of get through the story, and that'll go quickly, right? Because I want you to see the parallels. Now, all I want you to see are the parallels today. And, uh, and then at the end, we'll do some things to learn, right? We'll do some things to learn that are, that'll, that'll be pretty, pretty straightforward, but, but it'll be one of those. And my prayer for you today is, God, just open our eyes and let us see it right? Let's see what you're trying to tell us through this particular picture, okay? So a ship called Grace, okay? Grace is the picture in all of the Bible. You know, it's amazing how it's been clouded in so many other things, and so many have read so many things into and out of it, but the more I have looked, I've found that God's message is going to be simple, and therefore the simplistic message is grace, okay? And it is. It's, it's the picture of God offering grace to those uh, that put their faith and trust in him. So, so let's take a look down now through it, all right? Number one is sin, right? Number one is sin. We talked about this last week. I don't have to sh stay here as long, but again, nobody, nobody that is honest with themselves doesn't see the sin that lives among us, around us, in our world, the violence, and all of the different things that are going on. And, and this becomes, I'm, I'm not going to dwell here, but the scriptures are real clear that the wages of sin is death. And so really the wages are the judgment, which is what we're going to talk about next after sin, because those two things are clear. You have sin. And it says here in chapter six, verse five, it says, is that the law, Lord looked down and he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, and that every intention of his thoughts was only evil continually. And so, you know, I've watched, I've watched, and again, I'm not, I'm an optimistic guy, okay? I really am. I'm not one of these pessimistic, you know, and, and shout and scream and, you know, everybody's going to hell kind of thing. But I do want to, I do want you to understand this particular thought here is that things are swirling down. And when you think about that, um, 
it, it talks about that's the way it was in the days of Noah. Is that the, is that, it even goes on in verse six to say God regretted, God regretted it, right? And I just want you to think about and what has really made our world step up is, is, as wonderful as information technology has been, it has been the catalyst to, to, to make the decline go faster, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I know you live in this world. Yes, it's wonderful. I'm not one of those that's like, yes, I have a, you know, I have a, I have a smartphone in my, in, a, in my hand. The only problem with my smartphone is that there's a dumb person using it, all right? But, um, but I, 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 I love looking up things on the internet. I love, I love those things, but I have found it's that that has caused, it's just caused incredible things. People say things online that they would never say in person. They wouldn't have the courage to, number one. And they, and somehow, I don't, it's just sheer, just sheer ugliness. You know, just sheer ugliness. And then from what somebody tells me, 70% of websites are, are, are pornographic in nature. Are you kidding me? So, so our, our seven-year-olds, yes, you know they can and probably already have. And so as things swirl down and violence picks up, remember Jesus says that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when I return. Again, it just, it just is one of those incredible pictures to me, okay? And again, I'm not going to dwell here long. I just wanted to sober you up a little bit to get you to think this is the track, but we don't have to be scared or worried of those things simply because we're his. But I just want you to see, until you've understood the bad news, you'll never understand the good news. Until you've understood what Christ did when he came, all right, then you, I mean, unless you understood why he came, then, then you'll not see the big deal. In fact, people are even asking the question, why, why in the world did Jesus have to die? They don't get it. Our world doesn't understand. Why? Because we've kind of done away with the S word, sin, right? And then we've definitely done away with the next one, which is judgment, right? God says the wages of sin is death, so it's eventually coming, okay? And so it was the same way here when, when God, you know, when God told Noah, right? God, th- t- God told Noah this is coming, right? Let's read about it. And, uh, and I just want you to see what it says. I want you to understand People are not sharing these things today because they're afraid it'll turn people off. Well, I've, I, would rather, I would rather turn people off with the truth than turn them on with a lie. Does that make sense to you? All right, now, I, I just, I, that's just who I am because I, I felt like I was in church all my life and I never heard the message. I just want you to hear it. But you'll never understand the good news until you've understood the bad. And so here was the bad news in Noah's day, and Jesus made a direct parallel of what it's going to be like when he comes, when he returns. And so when you put these two things together and you, you begin to read the book of Revelation, you begin to see, wow, these things, these things, what used to, you know, a couple of generations ago, they think, thought were science fiction. These are reality. I can see these things. But anyway, so the Lord said, okay, I'm going to blot, I'm going to blot him out, all right? 
Judgment's coming because of all of it. And he goes on to say that, you know, at the end of verse uh, 7, that I'm sorry that, 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 um, that, I even, <laughs> that I even made him. All right, so take a look at that. It says, these are generations of Noah. And it does say, I'm oh, sorry, look at verse 8. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know, I'll talk about that in a minute. Favor is an interesting word. Um, and it's the word for grace in the Old Testament. Um, in fact, if you go and you look at the textbook definition of grace, it's called unmerited favor. So that makes sense. That's what the word grace means. Most people don't even know what the word grace means. They think, you know, I've heard church, some churches say you have to earn grace. Well, if you can earn grace, all right, then it's not grace. Because grace by its very nature in its definition is, is that it's a gift you didn't reserve or earn. I know these things are, I, I know some of you have been around here, but I can, I'm going to keep sharing them until I know people get them. Because that's the huge part of it. His grace. Anyway, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And he goes on to tell you about some of the generations. Let's take a look at it. And, uh, and it says here, uh, Noah was a righteous man. Now, we talked about last week with Enoch. It was pretty cool to think about it. And, and it said that, it said that, it goes on to say that he's a righteous man. It says he was blameless in any generation. And it says something about Noah that it said about Enoch last week. It says that Noah walked with God. Now, we found out last week, it said there that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, so, so Noah, if Noah walked with God, then that means that he learned to trust God. And if you learn to trust him, you have to hear from him. You have to know him. And, uh, and it comes down to this incredible picture that Noah was a person. Noah was a person who had learned to trust God. And if you're going to learn to trust God, you're going to have to know who he is. You're going to have to know his word, right? And this is what makes this incredible. If you've got ears to hear, keep hanging on. The understanding that when Christ came, John said that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Therefore, Christ was synonymous with God's word. He was God's word incarnate. So therefore, to put our faith and trust in him is to put our faith and trust in his word. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you have this incredible picture, incredible picture that Noah had God's word. And I have found that anybody at any time who will trust God's word, God will trust them with more of who he is. And so so what God allowed Noah in on what he was going to do as far as, as, far as the flood. And he, he shared Noah with them about it. It's pretty, pretty amazing when you take a look at it. Take a look at verse 11. It says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And, and God sinned said to Noah, and then he goes on to tell him what he's going to do. So you have then this, you have then this, the sin and this, and this judgment. You have its picture at the time of Noah, and it's also a picture of what's going to be when Christ returns, right? That's why Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. So, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. So you have then this, this setup. You have the bad news. But then the good news part of it is, is found in number three of what I want to share with you today. And it's called grace. It's called grace. 
It says in verse 8, it says, that, but, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Therefore, Noah was one who trusted God. Noah was not a perfect person. But Noah was someone who, who trusted God. God offered him, and he trusted. And so you have then this, this grace that God allows, allows Noah a way to escape this particular judgment in this particular time. And the favor is just the word grace. This means something that you, that you don't deserve, a gift that you don't deserve. Okay, so, so real quickly after grace comes faith. Now, you'll see where I'm charting. It's very simple today. You have sin, you have judgment, you have grace, and then you have faith or belief. Now, here's the, here's the incredible part of it. And so, so kind of hang on here because I'm going to throw a whole lot at you that if you've had a lot of questions about who, who God is and how he's worked through Christ, I think a lot of them will be answered today because of this simple little story. It is, sto it is so incredible, illustrative, right? Such a great illustration that'll help you to see things clearly. Well, what does it mean to have faith in God's grace? You're gonna see it, it'll be clear today if you'll just hang with me. So, so then you have, this, you have this incredible picture that God, that God gives Noah his word. That is what he's going to do. And this is what's coming in Noah. I'm telling you this because I want you to be delivered through it. But if you're going to be delivered through it, you're going to have to trust me. And here's what I want you to do. So whenever you hear by grace through faith, by grace through faith, always remember the story of Noah. Because God says, here's what I want you to go do. Look at, verse, look at chapter 7, verse 1. All right? Excuse me, not chapter 7, verse 1. Take a look now, if you will, in uh, chapter 6. Okay? Uh, chapter 6 in verse, uh, verse 22. Excuse me. I'll eventually get it. Take a look at chapter 6, verse 14. He says there, he says there, I want you to make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Okay? Gopher wood, most people believe, is cypress, right? So here's what God's told him to do. Hey, listen, there's, there's judgment coming, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make a boat, okay? I want you to build a boat. I want you to make it of cypress. And he says, I want you to make rooms in the ark. Now look where it says there. And cover it inside and out with pitch. Pitch is tar. Now, a casual reading, in fact, all those years I went to school, sometimes I began to really wonder if it ever really mattered. But for cases like this, it really did. Because the word pitch there, right? The word pitch. In fact, the word cover is, 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 is added, cover it with, is added to make it read better. Really, it should say pitch it. Within and without. That's the actual, actual words, the Hebrew words. It says pitch it inside and out. That is tar it. Now, think about this. Think about this. Right? What does tar do? Any of you mariners? Makes it waterproof. Okay? The word pitch 
is translated 27 other times in the Old Testament as the word atonement. Same concept. Let me give you one other verse that tells you that. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, okay? It talks about this. Have you got it? Nope, you don't. All right, Leviticus 17, 11. Let me read it to you, all right? It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. All right, there it is. So they got it. No, they don't. They went back to the other one. Come on, guys. Get on. Get on with it. Do something. All right. That's not it. All right, let me read it to you. Leviticus 17, 11. Don't miss this. It says, for the life of the blood, of, excuse me, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. Uh, the atonement is the word for pitch. Tar. Why would they translate one tar and the other atonement? Well, you have to understand that the word pitch means to cover, to seal. Oh, 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 don't miss this. So what does that mean? That means the pitch is the very thing that did what? It kept the water out. Okay, and the water here represents God's judgment. So it's the pitch that keeps the person secure. If you've ever wondered what the, if you ever wondered what the word atonement means, it means to cover, to seal. Like, like tar would seal a boat when it gets in the water. I love those commercials on TV, you know, about the guy with the boat, you know, and he, and he cuts a big square in his boat and he puts a screen there. And then he covers it there with that tar stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's one of those infomercials, all right? And now you know how he does it. He jumps all around like this is the best thing to have a boat with a screen in the bottom, all right? And then he paints it with that tarry stuff. I, I, I have resisted, but I have not bought any of the tarry stuff yet, all right? And then he goes out, you know, and he says, look, all dry. Well, it's the same concept. Is that that tarry stuff, that pitch, whatever you want to call it, it is what sealed it from water getting in. And since the water here represents God's judgment, pitch or atonement is what covers us. So you understand who what Christ did for us is a covering to us for the latter day. Not the first judgment, but the last one. For those of you that have ears to hear, then that should be really incredible news to you. To understand and to see it pretty amazing to think about, okay? Pretty amazing to think about. So let's continue to read. Uh, you're to pitch it within and without, uh, and this is how you make it, length of 300 cubits. Uh, cubits, it's kind of cool how we came up with what, most, for so long we didn't even know what a cubit was, but there's this really cool, I've actually seen it, it's in a museum in Israel. Uh, in Hezekiah's tunnel, they found uh, they found some inscriptions to where they could measure and actually found out that a cubit is about 18 inches, okay? So 300 cubit is about, 300 cubits is about, um, what, about 450 feet, okay? So, um, so when you put it to football on a field and a half long, oh, okay, got it. That's the way it always with me. Put it to a football field, then I got it, all right. 
So, and, and then, again, you begin to, then you begin to see the rest of it. It has the, you know, 450 feet long, uh, 75 feet uh, wide, and then 40, 45 feet uh, as far as its height. And so it gives you this picture of this big boat, and, and he goes on to tell him to, 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 make, it a, uh, to make a roof. And uh, he, you can read the rest of it. Have a, a lower, a second, and third decks. So much in there is symbolic. I just don't have the time. Most of what I want to share with you this morning is just real pointed, okay? For behold, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth, destroy all flesh, and with the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant uh, with you. He's telling to Moses, All right? So we have grace, we have God's grace, and then, but then we also have faith. The reason I read all that to you is because God gave him instructions and it was, the instructions were his grace. But the only way that he was going to get this grace into his life was to trust it, right? You know, it sometimes concerns me for people because, and I'm not trying to scare anybody and I'm not trying to make you doubt, but I do want you to be honest. Sometimes it scares me because, because I think there are a lot of people that, that, that say to themselves, well, I believe in God. Well, well, what if, I want you to think about Noah here. What if Noah had have said, oh God, I, I believe in you, right? But I'm not building that boat. I want you to think about it a minute. How many people have said, oh, Lord, I put my faith and trust in Christ, but don't expect me to live for you? It makes me wonder, because if Noah hadn't built the boat, then he really didn't believe God, did he? Does that make sense to you? Oh, he can say it with his mouth. Lord, I believe you and all the other stuff. But the question is not whether you've said it. The question is, is it, is it where your faith lies? And so it's a, it's a, this is a powerful look. The story of Noah is a powerful look because my bet is Noah was not real thrilled about building this. That would just be my thought, all right? But it was God's word and it did come to him. Oh, it's pretty amazing. So let's kind of rechart that a little bit because he goes on to say in chapter seven, verse one, it says that God, it says, uh, Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, all of your household. And he says, take all of the animals to different things. Um, and I take a look down at the very end in verse five. It says, and Noah, this is incredible. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Now, why did Noah do what God commanded him? Because Noah trusted him. You see, it's an incredible thing to think about. This whole relationship of God's grace through faith, Right? So let's chart down through this, all right? Let's chart down through this. If you want to mark this down, this may help you in understanding this concept. Number one is that he heard God's word. You cannot have faith until you have God's word. It's just not possible. You can't trust in something that you don't know or understand. That's why it says, you know, when he heard God's word about what God was going to do, right? Then he had God's word and he was responsible. For what he, had one, he had really one of two choices. He was either going to believe it, put his faith and trust in it, or he was not going to believe it. 
It says over in Romans chapter, and it's an incredible passage. It's, it is kind of what I base a lot on. But in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. Guys, I'm, I'm, it's been the passion of my life because I just want people to understand it. Therefore, if you hear God's word today, if you hear it and understand it, then the responsibility is yours, not mine. But I'm convinced all those years I sat in church, I never got God's message. All I ever got was, you know, the way to, you know, to do, you had a whole lot of lists of rules of things you were to do. They were religious things, that you, things you do, things you don't do. And, and in case you mess up, you can always do this. And I never got it. But the thing that could be ex extremely exciting today for you is that maybe you'll hear it. This is not about me, it's not about this church, it's not about denominations. That's why I always say those things. Because people get hung up on those things that don't matter at all. But what does matter is, the, is God's word, his grace. And then are you going to trust it or not if you truly hear it, right? So we, we have this, he, he, obviously he heard God's word. And number two, he believed God's word, okay? And, uh, and then he obeyed God's word. You know, when I think about, when I think about this, when I think about how many times our faith requires us to act, you know, and people have talked about, you know, well, you know, Jeff, if you think about it, if you think about it, it was Noah's works that saved him because he built the boat. And I'm just like, that's ridiculous. Why? Because it was God's word. Noah would have never known anything about it. And my bet is, my bet is Noah had never been to, you know, marine aeronautics school either to figure out how to build this thing. No. No, God gave him the ability to be able to do it. That's how, when God works through you, therefore it's trusting him all the way. But then to say, and I've always loved to say this, a person is not made right with God because they do good things. But I do tell you this, anybody who's ever put their faith and trust in God, it will show itself in their lives, right? Therefore, we don't do good works to be right with God. We do good works because we are right with him, right? Does that make sense? It's real important for you to get. That's real important. It's huge. Huge. So we have then this progression down through it. You heard God's word, believed God's word, obeyed God's word. And number four, he warned the people. Now this is something that's pretty interesting too. You know, Noah just didn't hear God's word and then just, you know, go crawl over in a corner and or, or go, you know, go, go out in a desert and start building this boat. No, no, no. He began to share with people. Hey guys, have you heard? I need to share with you, we've got God's word here. And God says there's a judgment coming, but here is his word, here is, a, here is his way for those who will trust him. Help me start building this boat. And when the day comes, let's get on. So he became, he became if you will, a, 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 a preacher, a herald is what it says. Jeff, how do you know this? Well, there's one verse in 2 Peter that tells us this is pretty cool. Take a look at it. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. Here we go. 
a herald of righteousness. Now, if you have an old King James Bible, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Same concept because the word preach just means to herald. Most of us today don't even know what a herald is because we don't live in those times anymore. But a herald was a job in, in a kingdom where a king, when he wanted to get news out to his kingdom, perhaps of a new law or what he wanted everybody to do, a herald would get on a horse and go from town to town to town and he would stand up and he would bring everybody together and he says, thus says the king, you know, that kind of thing. And he reads to them and then places, the, places what the king wants them to know up on a board and he rides to the next town. So a herald is someone who just spreads news. And the picture then of a herald is someone who not only spreads news, but if he's a herald of the gospels, he's one that spreads good news. And so Noah becomes a herald. He becomes someone that tells everybody the story. Hey, listen, there's a flood coming. God is instructed. And I know it had to have sounded silly to so many, but as it still does today, right? I think about it a number of times, you know, but that you share with people. And let me go ahead and tell you this. I found, I obviously, I, I love sharing with, with people about, about the gospel, but, and don't allow this world to think that nobody wants to hear it. It's just not the truth. Now, there are a handful of people that are antagonistic for it, but by and large, most people I run into, unless you do something weird, right? Most people, most people are open because they see what's going on around them. They're not blind. And everybody's looking for answers. And I have, I have really, especially in the time in which we live, really gotten to the point where I see people are saying, there's got to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing right now. So no, I, I hear people all time seeking. But then as a herald, I'm sure that he began to tell everybody, hey, listen, come help me build the boat. You know, it's God's way. Right? It's God's way to escape the judgment. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, right? The truth, the life. It, again, it all, if you've got ears to hear, it's incredible to think about. And I can only imagine, you know, he's out there with his mallet, right? And he's building this boat and somebody stops by and says, no, what are you doing? You know, he says, oh, well, let's sit down, let me tell you. And he tells him the story. And, and I think probably, you know, it causes a stir and, you know, I imagine they even had a symposium where they debated. You know what a symposium is, right? It's where a lot of smart people get together to pool their ignorance. <laughs> all right, yeah, I've been to lots of symposiums in my time. I've even been part of them, all right? But anyway, so the, the, a lot of people got together to consider, you know, what is Noah doing? Is this really, you know, and you get all the minds in the same room and well, you know, and there's, there's really good evidence and there's a, even a verse in the scriptures that probably up to this point had never even rained before. Said that a mist came up and watered everything, okay, overnight. And so basically it never even rained. And I don't have time to share all that with you. It's all there. It's pretty cool. And so I'm sure, you know, the geologist, you know, climatologist comes in and says, well, you know, in reality, since it's never rained, I just cannot see. It's just kind of preposterous to think about. And oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody comments and all of the leading minds say, well, that can't happen, that can't happen until, until the day came, right? As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah. 
So you have this incredible picture, right? And nobody listened to Noah, right? Nobody listened to him. I find that incredible. I find that incredible. Number five is a changed life. I don't have time to really explain that one, but I think it's best to be said that obviously God's, I mean, Noah's faith in God's word, his grace, by grace through faith, it changed his life and the life of his entire family, obviously. Anytime anybody comes into contact with God's grace and they trust it, it always changes who they are. So it's pretty amazing to think about, okay? It's pretty amazing to, to put. So I want to close today with this. I have some, I have some things to learn, and, uh, and these are the things that I always like to do at the end to make sure that you get, you get everything we've talked about. I think you've probably gotten most of it, but let's just recount this. And these are just things for you to think about. Okay, things to learn. Number one, there's no doubt that our world is full of violence, right? And sin. Matthew 24, 37 is the verse. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, this is Jesus talking, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days, okay, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. Okay? What does that mean, eating, drinking, marrying, giving? It just means they care about everyday business. They just went about their time doing what they wanted to do. And, uh, and it kind of caught them unaware, which I think is interesting. Number two, God said, God has said a date of accountability is coming for us just as it was then. All right? Everybody knows that. Everybody understands that. Okay? And the incredible part about that is that there's no one that's not a sinner. Right? There's no one that's not. But this accountability... Okay? In fact, take a look at the, at the latter part of that Matthew passage. Uh, it says, and they were unaware that the flood, until the flood came and swept them all the way. So, so will it be coming on the Son of Man. Wow. So, obviously, things are there. But number three, there's a couple other things I want to share with you and I'll be done. But God's provided grace for us also. His word. His word incarnate, right? And it's his way, right? Oh, God, I believe you. You know, I believe you that you sit Christ, brother. But Lord, I'm not, I'm not changing anything. I'm not doing anything. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the picture of, of, of somebody saying, no, well, no, I believe you, but I am not helping you build that boat. Does he really believe? No, he doesn't. Because you do what you believe. The rest is just talk. Right? You do what you believe, the rest is just talk. Interesting. But I do want you to know that God has provided grace. It's his way. Right? It's his way. Just like the way, it was Noah's way at that time. Number four, every time grace is offered, only faith can receive it. Now, I want to share with you something quickly, but I think that something will really help you out here. You know, it's as clear as clear can be, and there's this passage 
in the scriptures that share it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. If you've been around church or if you've been a believer very long, you probably have these verses memorized. But I want to walk you through some things here because I want to include verse 10. I have been as guilty as many as only quoting those two and leaving out, right? And leaving out verse 10. But all those go together, right? Paul is summing this whole thing up by saying this. He says, for by grace have you been saved through faith. All right, well, let's, let's put Noah to that, okay? For by grace, that is, God gave you his word about the coming judgment and, and obviously what he could do. Therefore, Noah trusted it through faith. And by grace through faith, he was saved from the flood. That's as, that's as, that's as simplistic as you can understand it. If he'd have said, you know, hey, listen, you know, God, I appreciate that. And that's nice of you, but I kind of want to do what I want to do. Well, then he would have died with the rest of them. So by grace, that is a gift you didn't deserve. And the only way you can get his grace into your life is through faith, learning to trust him, right? You've been saved. Or if you will, saved eventually. That's what the word saved means. And it really makes it clear when you, when you put Noah's story to it. Right? And this is not of your own doing. In other words, it's not because you were a good person, not because you did everything right. It says here, it's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works. It says it again. Right? So that no one can boast. In other words, Noah's not going to walk around, even though some people do, but Noah's not going to walk around talking about what a great boat maker he was. That's what really saved him. No, although people go there. No, it was because he didn't know anything about any of that. It was God working through him. It's an incredible thing. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, so here's how good works fit in. When grace comes into a person's life, right, and we trust his grace, saved by it, then we become his workmanship. That means he begins to work in your life and through you into the world around you. It's not about you, it's about him working through you. Why? Because you're his workmanship. Creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God has, preferred, uh, has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, there are three prepositions I want you to think about. Okay? By, through, and unto. And those three prepositions will keep, will keep you straight on understanding what the scriptures teach. And it comes right out of this passage about what it means to be right with God. By grace, through faith, unto good works right? And when you keep those three in order, you have it. But boy, we have a whole lot of folks that still think, well, no, but yeah, but you can't, you have to, you have to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, or you can't. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it never has. But it's incredible how we want to make somehow merit and, and being who we are and achieving that, that had something to do with it. Interesting. Interesting. 
Always has been. Is that close? Number five is results always a changed life. Results always a changed life. I want you to think about this for a second. I'm almost done, okay? I'm almost done. I just want you to think about it as we put all this together. These are just things that you think on because this, this picture of Noah, we know because Jesus has said it is, it's a picture of what it's going to be symbolically for us. So I think about Noah being in the boat. You know, there's a couple of, there's a, there's a verse I want you to see. Take a look, if you will, uh, in, in it, at the, at the very end, uh, well, we just don't have time. All right. Sorry about that. My mind's going a lot of different places. It says that when God called Noah and his family to go into the boat, there were two things that God instructed Noah to put in the boat, a door on the side and a window at top. And it says when he came into the boat, it said that God shut the door. Now that's profound to me. Therefore, God shut the door. As long as the door is open, it's an open invitation to anybody to come inside. But once it's shut, it's shut. And I want you to know that Noah couldn't do anything about the door. He could with the window. But notice that the door faced out, but the window faced up. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. But it says that he went in and the Lord shut him in. So Noah was as secure as the boat is secure. Am, am I right there? Are you, are you still here with me? All right. So he's as secure as the boat's secure. Okay. So if, if the boat was God's way, truth and life, right? Then Noah probably fell many times in the boat. But he never fell out of the boat. Why? Because God had him. He was in the boat. A lot of people think, I just don't understand you folks for believing that once you become a believer, you can't never not be a believer. Well, I do. Because it teaches it all through the Bible. If you're in the boat, you're in the boat, brother. Right? And he shuts you in, you're in. But I hear, here's another, here's scary version. If you're not in, you're out. And nobody likes to hear that, but you're either in or you're out. And when God shuts the door, that's the end. That's a tough thing to hear. But when you're in the boat, you can fall. You can really mess up in the boat, but you never fall out of it. Notice that with this boat, that God didn't instruct Noah to, 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 to drive these pegs on the outside of the boat. And he says, okay, now Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hang on, right? And there are the pegs on the outside. So Noah's up there on these pegs hanging on, you know. <sighs> Hope I can hold out to the end. <sighs> well, because I don't want to let go. If I let go, I'm gone. No, no, no. It wasn't about him holding on to God. It was about God holding on to him. That is who Christ is. That is what he came to do. That is the security that you live in if you are a believer. Does that make sense to you? And so that it gives you a real freeing way to live that you know He's got you. But you ought to be scared if it's only about you got him. Oh, God, I got you. I got you. So don't go too fast, all right? Not a big wave, okay? Don't need a big wave here, all right? It's an incredible thing. And if it truly is grace, then you did nothing 
to earn or deserve it. Oh, guys, I could go. I could go a long time, but I am done. But I will tell you this as I close. I just want you to see it. Therefore, if you walk out of this room today and you say, okay, Jeff, I got it, but no thanks, then fine. At least you've rejected it honestly. But let me tell you this. I'm not talking about being religious. Why? Because there's not enough being religious that makes you right with God. There's nothing you can do. It's a message of a gift. And it can only be received by trusting it. Because God wants you to learn to trust him. It's not just one step, but it's many steps. It's an incredible thing to think on. There's never been a time in your life. Guys, I could be talking to people in here who are, who've grown up in church. I was one of them, 21 years old. Been in church all of my life. Never got it. You could be first time here today and you've always wanted to understand what is this Christian stuff? That is as clear a picture of who Christ is and what he came to do as anything we can share, right? So if you'd like to know more about what it means to be his, right? Because remember, if he's called you, if he's called you, he saved you, if he saved you, then it's time to start building the boat, guys. And stop trying to say, oh God, I believe you, but I'm not building that boat. You realize how many people are gonna make fun of me if I start building that boat? For those of you who have ears to hear, and I've got to stop. I told you I was done. Sorry. Sorry. But if you are a believer here today, those are the things I want you to think on. Also, I want you to think about the incredible privilege it is to be his. Right? To be his. God bless you. Next week, commercial. <laughs> Tower of Babel. Babel is short for Babylon. And if it's short for Babylon then the Bible has a whole lot to say about the fall of Babylon in the book of Revelation, does it not? Oh, you're going to see that next week. <laughs> all right, God bless you. Let's all stand. We'll have a closing word of prayer.